Uh, this is from a book uh, called The Struggle is Eternal, Gloria Richardson and Black Liberation. Uh, the author is Professor Joseph R. Fitzgerald. Uh, you might remember Gloria Richardson. Uh, she was a civil rights activist in Cambridge, Maryland. Uh, we came across her first a few years ago when we talked to Professor Peter, Peter Levy uh, about the uprisings in Cambridge, Baltimore, um, and York, PA. Uh, but now I'm reading uh, Gloria Richardson's biography. I'm hoping Professor Fitzgerald comes into Bunker because uh, he teaches uh, at Cabrini right up the road here. So I've been in contact with him. He may be coming in like late spring, uh, early summer. So get ready for that. Uh, this passage is <coughs> a description of Howard University at the time that Gloria Richardson was uh, enrolling in ha at Howard uh, in 1938. And this just cut gives a little bit of a description of the university and a little bit that could be something we talk about later on. We'll see. In terms of size and structure, Howard was different from most other HBCUs created after the Civil War. It had a large enrollment and was non-sectarian. The latter allowed it to be relatively independent from outside influences, unlike institutions that were formerly associated with the white Protestant denominations that helped establish them and continued to exert a significant influence on their curricula and culture. Thus, it is not surprising that so many of those HBCUs tended to be politically conservative on issues of race and economics. Additionally, many of those institutions emphasized industrial or vocational training, an educational model championed by Booker T. Washington, a graduate of the Hampton Institute and the founder of the Tuskegee Institute. He believed black people should focus on building an economic base that would allow them to become financially successful. This would convince white people that black people were worthy of respect and first-class citizenship. Many black people supported Washington's vision, and so did many white people, including northern white industrialists who wanted a technically trained workforce for the growing industrial economy. Another reason for white people's support was that industrial education programs did not challenge the racial and economic status quo, as they were considered a safer alternative to liberal arts programs like Howard's, which graduated people who sought to improve the social and political lives of the masses. Black critics of the uh, Hampton-Tuskegee model, such as sociologist E. Franklin Frazier, highlighted this issue. He wrote, quote, A landmark in Negro education, so far as the white man was concerned, was reached when a type of education was discovered that concerned itself with this world and at the same time did not disturb the Negro as a worker. Tuskegee has stood in the white man's imagination as such a reconciliation, unquote. He also argued that black liberal, liberal arts institutions did not prepare students to be active agents for societal change and proposed the establishment uh, of uh, cutting-edge scholarly programs which black people were at the center of the research and were viewed innately capable of participating in civic life and, more importantly, were expected to do so. Within a decade, a small number of activist intellectuals, including Carter G. Woodson and W.E.B. Du Bois, had contributed their own assessments of black education, and together their work served as a sort of Federalist Papers that argued for the creation of an educational model grounded in the scholarly treatment of the black experience. Their vision would eventually be institutionalized in higher education as the field of black studies. In the meantime, Howard University operated as the laboratory in which the scientific study of black life was conduct conducted, and Richardson became an acolyte of her professor's problem-driven and solutions-oriented educational programs. Richardson's first semester consisted of a hodgepodge of courses that included a political science class taught by Ralph Bunch. He had produced uh, a handful of important essays assessing European colonization of African societies and had concluded that the colonization was a symptom of capitalism, which he was morally opposed to, and its supporters privileged greed over all else. Bunch further argued that white people's racism was a byproduct of this exploitative system. Through his writings and advocacy, Bunch worked to end colonization and imperialism, and he urged black people to challenge the United States' racial and economic status quo. in the shadow of Rockford Tower, behind enemy lines, in the belly of the Delaware Way Beast. 
Uh, we're here in the Highlands bunker, my friends, and this is how we do it. My friend uh, Hanif Salam is here. He is the president of the Southbridge Civic Association. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Our friend, uh, super producer Carl, is here, as usual, behind the knobs, making sure everything goes smoothly. And our, our esteemed guest, uh, first time in the bunker, uh, is... Someone I met uh, doing, pr he was doing previous work uh, at the time, uh, but now he has his own thing cooking, and I'm very happy to introduce uh, Dubard McGriff. How you, how you doing, man? Thank you, man. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have you. We talked about it a couple times, actually. Come on, come on. No, no, no. We talked about it, but up, the huh? last time I was here, to make it clear. I was supposed to come. They act like, no, 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 no. You had a situation, mm -hmm. but they act like Doobie wouldn't be in the bunker if Hanif said come in the bunker. That's an exaggeration. That's how he told nah, the story. Nah. He said, That's an absolute oh, I met him. I want him here. Hanif said he could be here, but he can't be here today. Hanif, big but dog. today, April, whatever it is today, the week of 420. Mm -hmm. I just know it's 420 week. But <laughs> today, Doobie is in the bunker. It is sort of a 420 show. Let me tell you what Hanif wouldn't let me not come on here. He's like, nah, you got to come I, on I here. You got to hit it. I said it last time I was here. I said, Doobie will be in the bunker mm -hmm. in 2023. Did mm -hmm. I not? Listen. Mm -hmm. I feel like you guys have a lot more invested in this. Mm -hmm. all, we, all we said was, hey, dude, I'd love to have DeBar come in. I think I can get him in. Okay. Nah, I feel and you then right. you had a I'll thing one time. Nah, and I did. I will <laughs> say this. I, you did catch me on one thing because I get on the mic sometimes and I'll like – I'll exaggerate, tell stories yeah, yeah. and stuff. So I think I did say something like, and I'm can you believe DeBar? Just, he said he was going to come in. He didn't come in. <laughs> like, I think I made a little bit of a joke out of it like that. But then he went and run with it and made a whole story. <laughs> he made a whole story <laughs> here, around it. So, no, I'm going to bring it back with this story. Just based off of the intro that you read, I just want to give the people some insight. Well, can we wait? Can we hold that? What, we we can. Because here's what I'd like Let's to do. Let's go. Uh, I want to give... Um, the, the proper attention to, you know, a real community organizer and activist right. to Bard. Because we always, we were talking before Let's you came in. Because, um, yeah, we always ask local people. I asked you the first time you came on. It's sort of the same question. Um, where did you grow up? What was it like? Um, however much you want to share. How, and, and how did you find your way into, like, community work? And advocating for your neighbor and yourself and the person you work with and all of that stuff. Because it's an interesting story, and I think people locally—I mean, I get inspired by them personally. So you don't have to make them good. Though. It's not no pressure. No, no pressure. Uh, it's a lot of pressure. So, <laughs> so, so, what's the Mister McGriff story? So, um, I'm from uh, Wilmington, Delaware, Twenty uh, Fourth Street Market in the Northeast, Twenty Fourth and Market to be exact, all the way down. From the, matter of fact, from the top to the bottom, I'm from Two Four. Um, been yeah raised there my whole life uh so i was always street i'm a regular guy first i'm not i don't know what the hype right. is about i'm a regular guy just like, just like you know what i mean i don't do nothing i don't do moments. nothing spectacular you know i'm just living in my purpose i believe you know and i want more uh i grew up street orientated you know actually i grew up on 24th street in the middle of the crack air you know when it was Big when it was at its prime in Wilmington, Delaware in the nineties. So, you know, I went into that. Literally, I sold drugs probably all you know, all my life and was street orientated. When I was sixteen, I uh, got into some trouble, ended up doing some time in jail. I was charged as a dog, ended up doing three to four years almost four years in jail. Came home when I was almost twenty. Um literally Came home to just, I just came home, you know, and bam, from 16 to, nine, to 19 and hopped straight back into the streets, I ain't gonna lie. And uh, so that was adult time for three years, 16 and 19? Yeah, yeah. So I had a violent charge. I was um, 16 and was charged as an adult. So I went up going to YCOP, which was a um, pot or a tear or... Young boy pod at yeah, Gander Hill. Yeah, at Gander Hill. So okay. if you are under 18 and they convicted you as an adult in the 90s, you would go to Gander Hill, but they'll put you on Wycott. 
Okay. And so, now we, so you got the grown men. You got the you got the grown men. You got the dr- you got the dr- you got the grown men treatment. Just a group of you on the side. It was, it was worse than the grown men treatment. That was solitary confinement. You couldn't like you had less. Just put it like this: When I turned eighteen, I signed. They were like, "Why do you want to go to general population?" I'm getting out of here because it was a program in there. I wasn't used to that. You know, like people were telling you what to do. So they was able to scream at you, things like that. I couldn't be around that stuff. You know, so. I just, like, when I got eight, I signed off and went to general population. You know, I knew everybody that was in there anyway. I was from the street, so it was nothing. But that was, like, 20, uh, 23 and 1, that Y cop thing. That was inhumane treatment. And it's crazy. Move, uh, like, you know, when I'm thinking about it, I actually did some stuff on, you know, help bring that to the light about Y cop, you know, right. later yeah. on in life. Because it's that. not supposed to be happening. Mm-hmm. So if anybody that's listening that know of young people that are under mm-hmm. 18 but being housed at Howard Young Correctional Institution, state law says it's that not supposed be to be happening. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, Dubar, who was the I like a pseudo, right? smart justice campaign manager. I don't know. The law came out after you did yours. Okay, but you did that as the smart justice. Joke, well, that's so. how we met. We, we met. At, we met at an ACL. Yeah. We went. At, we went. Uh, we we met each other. Still messed justice. up from that. I'm gonna be honest. We 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 met each other at a smart justice event. I remember. Doobie is the original. But here's here's what I'll say. Smart justice Delaware. I, the, guy. Uh, the thing that is the the hits me the hardest because it comes up time and again. It comes up. We were talking about the antebellum Delaware. Like, I talked about this with Sil Wolford, your, your, your man. You know, it's like... God, Sil, it's, it's like story. You can be, you can be, quote, manumitted, freed under some circumstances. But, the, but like, it doesn't get that much better. Like, in, in fact, in a lot of ways, it's worse. And this happens at all time and again of, like, it's like, how are you going to die? And to the, the idea that you would have to, like, sort of sign yourself out of this place to go to, like, general population as an 18-year-old. A freer jail. Going from a uh, more confined jail, I signed on to go to freer jail because that I can handle that jail. No yeah, I, I mean, that's just – people – I don't think – I don't think – I, 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 I think a lot of the problem with this smart justice or all the stuff we talk about about prisons, my friend Lex Wilson is doing a, another big story about, uh, well, you know what? Uh, I'll just sort of talk around it. He hasn't published it yet. I might be able to talk to the guy. Uh, but you know, you get these tablets now, and you can uh, you can you can get on and read. And it's a very it's like rudimentary. But the good thing with Lex is, and with media is, uh, the inmates can talk through the tablet and do that that video stuff. Now, my understanding is, as with everything, it's just a it's just a money making fucking enterprise. And a guy uh, or a group of guys were, were going to sort of like start to protest it or, or make a deal about it. And they moved, they, they cracked down on these, these few guys. Um, and he's telling that, trying to tell well, that me, story. So what would say they were going to protest the part? No, the idea that access, the idea that access uh, was, was so expensive and so restrictive, mm. like it wasn't. It wasn't fair. Now, I don't know whether the state is running it as a program or if the corp, if there's like a, a corporate uh, contract running it as a program. I don't know. But yeah, all of, I, I don't, what I, and this is going back to your story. I, I just don't think people, enough people grasp the, how, uh, you know, it's like torture. It's not like torture. It's but you don't torture. know this. I'm going to be real. I didn't, when I was, because everybody around me been in jail and stuff. It wasn't, when you're in it, you don't know. I honestly didn't know how crazy that stuff was. I knew it was crazy, like it was a crazy situation for right. me, but I didn't know how crazy it was till I was going into legislative hall and telling this story that I lived and people were crying and all this stuff. And, you know, things actually got passed. You know, I'm like, wow, that was serious. You know, you don't know. That's how we was raised. You know, we was raised like, you, t- you go to jail. You how strong you got to be until you got to be strong. Yeah, that part too. You ain't got no choice. <laughs> but, and I'm not trying to fast forward. You could do your interview, but that's the beautiful thing of where people like myself, Dubard, is at today. Because there is an opportunity right now for black people to get more involved to create 
prosperous paths for themselves and their children. But I don't know if I'm going too fast for this interview because we still on now. You're planting a seed. I see what you're yeah, doing. I mean, that's where I'm at. We I, here I, I because like of yeah. you know spending black batters. But honestly, that's where know? that's where it all boils down yeah. to poverty. People are hustling. People are robbing, stealing to survive. To do their, get their basic needs. To get them their kids, them Jordans. To get them kids food on the table. That's what they do. That's what it's all about. Like. Yeah. Like that's the elephant in the room. We're talking all this, all these, all these results that come from, you know, people not having, and not having because they're lazy, not having because they're stupid, not having because of all these reasons. Because you know, groups of people had probably two, four, five hundred years head start to make themselves a foundation, and you know, become wealthy, and off the backs of people that. Never got paid, never got compensated, you know, and this is where we're at now. Like, it's time to, like, let's get, get it. it. Let's, like, get, it. let's get, get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. That's what I'm serious about. We all got stories, and I, I think Duba's story is serious. I know it's serious because, like he said, laws got changed. I tell my story, I ain't really had no laws change, but at the end of the day, it's an opportunity right now. What I have done is started my own nonprofit. What yeah. I've had been done is had my real, own LLC. I need like it's about when economic was, development. When I was helping me, the chief this NLLC. man, this the man, LLC. this man helped me. He actually did my LLC. EIN up. I ain't know nothing about that. Yeah. I just said, Hanif, listen, I got this thing. This is my vision. He like, nah, you need to do this, that, that, and the third. Like, yeah. that's what happened. I'll tell you this. One of the reasons that Drew Series and uh, Eugene Young called Network, like how that name came to be, it went through a couple iterations, but their idea was to develop a group of organizers kind of doing different work and being able to, be, to place people, like somebody like Hanif, because I needed that same help. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing to, like, kind of start a little, this media project. But I had somebody to go to and be like, right. look, this is what you got to do. Because right. <laughs> I didn't know that shit. And, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, that's the whole, the network idea is very important to me because everybody's got to be, we have to be collaborating in a certain sense to, to get everybody on board for stuff rather than worrying about, like, you're looking to spread your information. Drew's looking to spread his information. Otherwise doesn't work because that's what I want to talk about is what what does that mean like getting it what does that mean for real like does it mean what Dubard was talking about and addressing the economic conditions of the neighborhood and of of working class people writ large not just in Wilmington uh, has created this. So, so do we do we go at that, or or do we go? Okay, what does it what does it mean? What's the action? What is it? So, what is it meant to do? So for me, where I'm at with it is You're one next. thing I got to say is shout out to the hood professor, Doctor Payne, yes, who already proved that poverty is the number one factor to cycles of incarceration and violent crimes, right? So if we find ways to make sure that we are educating and connecting people to resources to grow their economic and financial situation, that's key. And then when we base it on the fact that, I don't know, outside of that book, one of the reasons why HBCUs become valuable is because in my opinion, and this is just mine, the black mind is the greatest mind in the world. So when you talk about HBCUs, it might be a hidden agenda, but according to a 2018 report, HBCUs are responsible for 75% of black PhDs, 46% of black business executives, 50% of black engineers, 80% of black federal judges, 85% of all black doctors, 50% of black attorneys, 75% of black military officials, 40% of black dentists, 50% of black pharmacists, 
and 75 for black veterinarians. So the point is some people, when it comes to collaboration, understanding the way to making a better city, state, and country is investing in the minds of black people. And that's what we mean when we say economic development for black people. And that's serious. I could take it from him, you know, I could take it piggyback off of Hanif because I'm a student of Dr. Payne. When Dr. Payne came to Wilmington, I was in his first, um, you know, class, street class, for real, for real. We came off the streets and was introduced to structural oppression and all that stuff like that. I always, I, I went through it and I knew it, but it was never... I thought it, uh, it was racism, but I'm saying racist. It's racist. I didn't understand the whole structural thing and the dynamics of it. Dr. Payne broke that down for us. Dr. Payne had us to um, literally critical think about, critically think about it and create surveys and questions and, you know, why are we doing this? And we created that. We distributed them through the community with incentives. We gave the we gave people like monetary, you know. Mm -hmm. Street par episode. He sat right there and, and described it to me a couple yeah, years ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So look up uh look up Street Par with Dr. Yasser Payne. Street Par and shout part. out to Charles Madden because due to Doobie's story during the Street Par, I can remember Charles Madden when I first met him was one of the main ones ensuring that Dubar went and got his degree. Yeah, yeah. He left, came back, but still came back and got his degree. Yeah, and I can I remember that. That's when yeah. we first met. I don't know mm -hmm. if you remember. Yeah. I mean, we knew each other face, but we met mm -hmm. when you was leaving. I don't. I, I remember you, South you, Carolina. You to school. Yeah, I remember. Mm -hmm. you went for a year until you came back, but then you still finished and yep. got your degree. Yep. Springfield. That's powerful. When I look, really look back at it, back you know at my life, you know, and you know, I had a lot of I, I had a lot of support when it came to doing good. I had, like I was a straight like I was in these streets. I had people like Charles Madden and Tony Allen and uh, uh, Doctor Payne and them coming to get me from the block. Like, listen, put on this tux. You're going to the Black Ebony Tie Affair. Like, this is real. I can't make That's this love. stuff up. Like, you know what I mean? I'm coming from street memorials where they just shooting at coming straight to a building, a country club owned by a black man. He's right here, and you know, a black a legend in America. You know that. Created, helped create the Urban League and stuff like that. Oh, create the Urban League in Delaware anyway. Mr. Gilliam, I'm, I had a conversation. So I'm seeing all this stuff. And, you know, like, it's crazy because they will always say, we're going to get you a job. I'm like, I don't want work. I got money. Like, I, like, you know, I had street money. So it's like, I'm traveling this You're stuff. You're like, I'm good. I'm actually I'm good. I'm okay. You know, but it was a <laughs> time. A time. Yeah, it was. Like, it was a time when, you know, you know, that street stuff was... Boom, and you know I leaned on them to do other stuff, and that's the that's the that's the no that's the gold in that. Yeah, I, I said just in response to both of you, mm -hmm. the the uh, the statistics for the the way that the HBCUs uh, are able to like create a black elite. I'm all down. I mean, I'm not. I'm. I'm. Oh, I'm always proud when we're in here and I. Uh, we rep Dell State because that's the Sil Wolford deal. That's a Marie Pinckney deal. You know, we're always talking about that. So I'm like, it's a point of pride that we have a HBCU so close. But the thing that the the book was getting to was like a, a, a more narrow argument. And you guys might. The fact of the matter is that you guys might not even think in those terms. But it's like there is an argument between the Booker T, Tuskegee, mm -hmm. and the sort of Howard sort of communist mm -hmm. one. Like, are we going at... Do, if, if, we, if we are able to lift a talented 10th or 20th or, or 5th or 25th, uh, if we're able to, to do that, is that enough? Or are we looking to challenge the way things are done? It's serious because... Do you the, know what I mean? That's you what know, I'm talking. The Booker T and... The Booker T and the... Booker T and them was what eighteen hundreds? Yeah. I mean seventeen, nineteen hundreds. Well, into the yeah, so into the nineteen hundreds, the nineteenth so century into the twentieth century. So that was like what two hundred years ago. We got a bunch of Tanif just read it. We got millions black yeah. PhDs, physicians, uh, 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 lawyers, doctors. So we're there. We're like we're two hundred years later. And I want to ride off that. Okay. I, I just want okay. to, and that's an excellent lead to that point. Right? No, I don't agree with the talented 10th and the boule. 
Yeah. And the sorority, Ferrari. But, I mean, we ain't got to go all the way there. I don't agree. What I'm seeing is an investment and collaboration in a black mind. Like when Peter Spencer got up with Thomas Garrett, right? Peter Spencer said, I got the model. I'm going to build black churches, but every religious event, every church service that somebody from down south comes up to, we going to push them further up north or get them stabilized right here. And Thomas Garrett said, I'm with you. And then when Harriet Tubman heard about it, she like, I'm going to bring the people up here. So what we're saying is lead with the ideas and the plans of successful and prosperous black minds that are already paving the way. Dubar is the CEO and founder of Game Changers, which is Game Changers has an adult level and it's a Game Changers youth. But it's all about plugging people into what they truly want to do and learn how to prosper off of that. So give me an example of, like, uh, are you doing the program now? So you have, these, you have two coaches. I'm going to lead him up to now. Let yeah, me yeah. give you a little bit of history. Okay. and then Game we'll get Changers cool, cool. originally started, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dubois, but it originally started while he was the Smart Justice Campaign Manager. The ACLU of Delaware said we want to find a way to get people with lived experience. It wasn't the ACL Delaware. They, they, the ACL Delaware wasn't trying to fund anything. Actually, the CEO, <laughs> not, not, push the, that little closer to you. No, the, no, the executive the director at the time. She, I'm gonna be real. Um, she was rough, but pe- like looking back, she taught me a lot. I gained so much from that lady. I thank her for that. I'm gonna be real, but she was just rough around the edges. You know, um, whatever that may be, but I learned a lot from that lady. So um, I got that from, um, you know, just going around the country. ACLU was definitely a part of that. So from, from the his trainings. job, he thought of starting game change. Okay, from his job. So let's say that. Yeah. Shout and out to so, so, so I had to go to the national to ask them for national funding, ACLU. and national gave Delaware yeah, funding. Yeah. 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 Uh, shout out to whoever helped him connect with national people at the ACLU yeah. level. Dubard's mm-hmm. brainchild. Let me start Green Changers. Yeah. Okay. I was working for the Hope Commission, doing what I was doing with reentry. I was like 10, 12 years in and perfecting my craft of serving people fresh out, high risk, low risk. If you're coming home, I want you to stay home. Tubar said, I want everybody involved to know how to help me politically. Yeah. And we created a training. Now, out of that original Game Changers, you have. A successful entrepreneur and Charlie Bass, who was already an entrepreneur but has mm-hmm. elevated since Game Changer. You got Scholars Turf. Shout out to Joyce Dixon, founder and CEO of Scholars Turf, who went through the original Game Changers. And at least five or six other people who went and now are successful black business or nonprofit owners. So that's the model that we want to spread. Like, we could do it. We just need the opportunity. That's it. You know what I'm saying? It, it elevates because yeah, so we me, ain't the only ones. And that go Whoopi back to- got CIT. And that go, Why yeah. is CIT having a problem with getting three and five years sustainable funding when the YMCA ain't never went broke? Yeah, serious. And what are they and doing? That back to, and that goes back to that. And that if goes back to that argument people, of we can elevate. It ain't just about so the talent. It's 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 all and literally, that goes back to that argument of that talented 10 or whatever, like, I'm not really with the talent to tend the boule, but I'm going to be from doing my street outreach, from doing the work that I do. I noticed that some people only receive information from people that they look like, people that talk like right. them and people that they trust. So you're everybody in my community. They're not going off the school and all of that stuff because they just don't trust institutions, you know, and all these things are institutions from the door. They like I'm not being involved in that. If you like so now, you're developing an alternative institution. I like this. Maybe kind of so. Maybe so. Yeah. I, this is the kind of language that resonates. That. Yeah, I never this resonates that. with me. Even uh, even Carl, look, yeah. see Carl perk up over there. Yeah. We understand. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, actually yeah. understand. <laughs> it took about yeah, fifteen name, minutes. Yeah, we never really understand what you guys are up to yeah. now. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. So so I I I feel that because we talked about and and maybe I don't remember the exact examples, but we were talking about something not specific to this, but like generally about just uh, business owners, black business owners. And uh, because I go to a a black tailor on Miller Road, 
Mac. He's the best. Go to a unique, Mac. unique tailor. Um, you just look it up. It's a, it's right on Miller. Unique Road. tailors. U- unique, authentic Do tailoring. With that, spending black matters. Spending that guy's great. Matters. Super, black super guy. Matters. But uh, but the, the guy, too. the guy uh, on the riverfront, the head to hookah lounge, he got fucking run out. Uh, the 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 guy didn't who, uh, he get his thing back? I seen him. Do, did he get his thing back? I seen him doing a lot of stuff. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I seen and him the doing guy, the whole thing. The guy who had the comedy uh, thing. Gundy. Oh yeah, he that, that is out. still prospering. Shout out to my guy Gundy. He's still man, snapping. He's doing national promotion. It's bigger. Delaware ain't winning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but he's booking shows across that was, the country. That was that was that was classic Delaware. That was that was a classic systematic oppression. Like. Delaware, all that's it's happening everywhere. That's classic systematic oppression, you know. Like that's just crazy what happened. Yeah, there. and this is that's what we were, t- and that's kind of what we were talking about. Like it's one thing to own a business, but it's another thing to sort of have the full network behind you of like how it's going because you're gonna run into that shit all the time. Yeah. Opportunities, classic, classic one. And my thing story. now, like you know, what I'm really trying to work on now is build that that type of network or not, nah, like just. I'd even probably build it. I can't do that, but make people aware of, you know, it's a possibility. Like, even people aware of, like, boom, we have to do this. Set some type of foundation. Build yeah. some type of economic growth, you know, so we can become free. You know, like, we have to, you know, a lot of people have to rely on, you know, going to different agencies and things like that to survive. Going off different housing programs and hoping somebody builds affordable housing and praying and all of that stuff. Why? I mean... Everybody does, but why so much of us? Why can't we, you know, why can't we be in a position to do that? You know, why can't we do it? That's the whole thing. We can do it. We We can can do it. it. We can't, like, sure. Like, I've been, I did, like, politics is a big part of my life. I play in politics, but I literally had to, you know, change my brain and my frame around and say, okay, it's a bigger game out here than politics. It's called the economic game. Whether we like it or not, it's there. And it controls politics. And that's just what it is, you know? So we the only type of uh, uh, nationality that's not participating in it. That's why we get the bottom of the goddamn um, feeding pole all the time. We're not at that table. Everybody else is at that table. And when we get Who's there, talking about that? Us. Nobody wants to talk yeah, about that. That's that's the there, trick. Right? It ain't no more curving no more. It ain't no more curving. It's we here. You, you create we here. You ain't create no more curving. You can't curb us. It's too many of us. You can't curb us. It's over. No, it's over. Shout out. We like roaches. We like baby kids. We don't die. We multiply. Yeah. That's an old. That's old reference. That part. That's old reference. Connect. Yeah. You know what I mean? Spend them black matters. It is right now a platform of great minds coming together. Black business owners, nonprofit leaders, advocates. And what I'm saying is I hope the one we day could be- build off that. Now I wanna take it somewhere with you, Rob. Oh boy. I believe we got so much leverage right now. When I say we, I mean as black people and women, because we are the majority, right? Statistically. That we got the ear, the ear of the CEO of Wilmington. I mean, some people call him the mayor. But I don't. Well, I call him a the lot of CEO. stuff. But he has approved for the South Bridge Warehouse Project to move forward. Mm. So in moving forward, it is not going to be two warehouses like the original plan. It is going to be one large warehouse and then a mixed commercial residential project that BPG but gets with and probably so but minority owned business is insured to get a certain percentage of all the construction that goes down and off of the warehouse outside of the minority businesses and employees that come off of construction and maintaining the operations there'll be about a $400,000 cash infusion into the Southbridge neighborhood to the primary nonprofits that are providing services to the Southbridge residents and the beautification of Southbridge because they have not admitted yet, but Southbridge is a historic community and it's a historic black community. Mm-hmm. That's right. And that's by that's serious, man. That's serious. That's serious. That's serious, man. Southbridge yeah, I'm happy. We talked moves. about that when it came out. When when they were when when it's, they when were the sort of trying to when the mayor said no when I said right. come on listen, but listen though it goes back to that 
he at the table. It's happening mm -hmm. in our community. Mm -hmm. South Bridge got together and said, listen, we're going to create this. Before you can build here, you need zoning, you need all of that. So we are going to show up at the zoning board. First, we've got to have a conversation with you because this is the table. We It's the table. Come sit at this table, and we're going to talk about this. This is what we need, and let's go. That's it. And if you're with us, that's it. even if it's Mr. CEO who doesn't like to do a lot of stuff, but it's business. get him to do it. It's business. Because, we, I mean, we're just the majority in the city. So statewide, you know, we can go there, but in the city of Wilmington, I think it's overlooked that black people are the majority. Yeah, it's been that way. And that's from black people really thinking and organizing on that level, saying, okay, noticing. We could rap, we could rave, we could do all of this, but these people need zoning. We are the residents. They have to get approval to get the zoning they need to operate a warehouse there. Or else they'll, be a, they'll build a warehouse for nothing down there. You know, at least, you know, at least we can try. So before, that, before we even approach them, let's create our list of what we need to make our community better. And what we need for these people to do. Let's go here and let's have this conversation. And do be and let them there has to be there has to, there has to be a mechanism that is able to stand up to that and realize that the best use of that resource, the people and that land and the people who want to invest there, the best use of that is for the people who live there and work around there and decide what they want to do with it. Exactly. It's not how much, how much, uh, you know, how many tax abatements and tax write-offs can you get to put apartments there uh, that you know just don't don't all serve don't serve the community the way the community wants to be served? That has to be the first. So all they, they still want to do it, Rob, because like I said, it's going to be one warehouse and then it's going to be mixed-use, yeah. commercial and residential, and then they with Mayor Pazicki now. What I'm going to try to hold him to what Mayor Pazicki told me. C CEO Przecki. CEO. Oh, I gave him mayor because he did say something I liked. <laughs> okay. yeah. So you're already going soft. You're already a No, I just like when we could do good business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What he said is, honestly, because I asked him, are you trying to gentrify or are you trying to build for us? Because we're the majority. Same conversation I said to him. He said, honestly, Hanif, my people don't want to relocate in the moment. But if people were willing to work, I'm willing to make it affordable, right? So I'm willing to have minority-owned businesses if we do this mixed property. I'm willing to put in at the city level so that developers can have the affordable rent so that it is. Now, what I understand is if our people don't step up, they can easily use mixed use and say this is for lawyers that are going to start working downtown and jump the rent. But there is an opportunity for us to come together, and that's why I always support it, and I love Game Changers, because it's going to change the game. If people are willing to invest in themselves, find their niche, even if they're working, you can operate a business or a nonprofit or be at the table to ensure that investments are properly being made to empower and uplift black people. I'd be at that table. I'd be at that table, man. See, and I think the way that I would, I think what you're doing is even heavier than that. Because you're developing that alternative sort of mechanism to sort of do all the parts. Mm -hmm. to, 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 have the, to have the institutional pressure built up where you can at least negotiate. Yep. And to have organizers on the ground that can channel people into like stuff that the community wants i see what you're doing now yeah i say it i like it it's good and I, and I know that you would and there's other people that like it but i don't want to harp on it but it was like the last time i was on here racism in delaware and in wilmington is a big thing well so yeah. once they see this but what i want listeners to understand another thing is about creating Social activities where everybody can gather outside of race. Because when we can come together in happy and good times and memorable moments, shout out to the Opera House, who partner with Fatty and Shaka, mm -hmm. of the Fatty and Shaka show, Let's Go. Mm -hmm. They had sweets as the uh, 
premier comedian along with I think the Commodores and the that's four that types of old that's school. That new oh, the so that's that co- mm-hmm. collaboration. Mm-hmm. I got Mr. Commodores. Where me and Dubar could look at mm-hmm. Fatty and Shaka as old heads from our city that are now partnering with the Grand Opera House to do shows for everybody, everybody but it's led by black minds. Led black by black minds from local communities. Did you know that uh, the Opera House has, the, I guess, I think she's an exec- executive director. Black woman. She's opera, opera singer. One of the, like a black opera singer. She's Shout in there. The I just recently House met her wow. the other day. You know, like, amazing. So you amazing. probably know this too. <clears throat> We're doing all of this history research. One of the things that we're researching now is um, the neighborhood on the east side that they bulldozed because they were, because they knew to take out the black mines. Uh, the black Wall yeah. Street. Yeah. Yeah. People yeah. don't know now. So we're telling them we're getting ready to we're, we're, we're getting ready to we're, we're getting we're getting ready to do we're getting ready to do some work on this. Trust mm-hmm. me. Uh, <clears throat> but we had uh, a conversation with at that time. He, he was just a director of the Mitchell Center at the Delaware Historical Society, but now Ivan Henderson is the executive director of the entire Delaware Historical Society. Mm-hmm. And uh, another uh, black guy, he lives in Shout out Philly. to the Delaware Historical Society yeah. for hiring a leader. And this guy, uh, we had... That's, that's Jordan, amazing for Delaware. Jordan and, a I, lot of history Jordan, Howell and I, Jordan Howell and I talked to this guy for about an hour, like two or three months ago. And they're 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 rolling out some new uh, some new stuff with photography, but they're going to be able to help us because they're they're working on something sort of That's tangentially related to uh, Spencer Plaza and the church that was there yeah. and the first African church. That's why we're That's, That's yeah. history right That's there. That's why we're That's why we're working with them too uh, to tell the original the African Union church was in South Bridge. It was. Yeah. We're at. That's amazing. Right. I don't have the you exact know. address, but when you look up the history of South Bridge, like South Bridge is a historical. You know, who might know that Pastor Livingston. He got a. They got a whole um, museum in their church. Yeah, because African Mother is an extension of it. Mm-hmm. Peter Spencer started it's the a, Black Church here, and then before he in died, America ended up he had the first church, thirty right? congregations across America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the big stories about it is that church uh, had, so that Methodist church had quarterly meetings where they usually would have them in Philadelphia. But for their August quarterly, they would have it here, and it would be this huge party. It was They still do it at the Harriet Tubman. Yeah. But, it, but, but back in the day, it was basically like, it was like we had our own Mardi Gras here. Mm-hmm. It but, was, but like, but, but 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 it was, but it wasn't. Uh, it was. Hold on, Rob. I did the piece on it. It uh, was he, the Mardi Gras. It was the party. It was a religious celebration. Yeah. But Big Peter Spencer's intent was black people could come. So in Maryland, Virginia, mm-hmm. D.C., they would allow even if you was a slave, a black mm-hmm. person to go to the August quarterly in Delaware. But then Peter Spencer helped him find a way to never go back to the plantation. So they would come to Delaware for the religious celebration, Mm -hmm. but then continue up north. Or stabilize here. That's why South Bridge and East Side around the 7th Street Palenza is so historic. I mean, we can go back to Black Anthony, but I mean, we can go wherever. Yeah, that's serious. Black Anthony's all the way back. Yeah, I read some peace on that. That's why it's so black in South Bridge and East Side right there, man. They was the first inhabitants. They said the first inhabitants were, when they came, it was. It was black. already 500 black and brown here. people. They were here. here. They were here in Wilmington. 800, 800 through the state, but 500 in here. Wilmington. And 500 in Wilmington on the east side. And that's uh, the um, Swedes. They got mm-hmm. it in the old Swedes. before the English. They don't tell that history. Stuff we got that is yeah. historic is still standing. Black hands, black minds created that. We don't have ownership where they'll say some white man. Drew up the papers and he had slaves, yeah. but nah. I can trace my family back to the early 1800s stuff, right? on both sides. And we just want to bring it back around with collaboration, but just coming back to the proper hierarchy in my perspective. Well, you know, because like, you, you know invest that. in the black mind and you're willing to let black people lead. That was the whole purpose, not to invest in the black. That's the best thing you can do if you're an opposition of the black, if you're opposition of anybody. You don't educate them. It can be black, white. Anything. If you don't, if they're not learned people, they're going to do ignorant things and they're going to remain in this cycle, you know, of 
not being learned, you know, because an intelligent person questions. An intelligent person does research. You can't tell no intelligent person. You can, but they're going to do the research behind it and figure out what they're going to figure out. And then the books. And then you also got verbal history and the things you heard throughout the years. Like, okay, I remember this makes sense because, you know, like, so, you know, it's all it's about being intelligent and knowing what intelligence is. That's right. Gotta be smart. You can't you just work question. hard. You, gotta, you, gotta you can't just learn how to hard. read and write. You just got you got you got to question people, things. We got to work a hundred and ten times harder than everybody else. And right? we got to really know. And we got to really so learn. Mastered it, but we want to be able to share what we learn and what we know with everybody. Because a wise man once told me it's all about unity and solidarity. Mm-hmm. So when we can all come together, black, white, all of that, but it starts with black people coming together in unity. And then beyond that, when we can all collaborate as a people, then the land will prosper. And I see all, that all I can do. Now. All I can do is is, is say what? What did you say? Thomas Garrett said he was like, "I'm down." <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Sounds, Sounds good. To me. That's why I love being What do you need? Like, that's what I say. Robin so I, I just be like, "What do you got? Uh, what do you guys need?" Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm down because I don't. I think that that uh, we can't live under oppression like this, and I I don't accept it. And I think. You guys are on the exact right track. I think this everything you guys are doing should be uh, promoted, and people should get involved in it. So before uh, we get to the last thing, I promised. I forget if you were here when I said it, but we got to go around the room. Uh, we're recording this on whatever is it four twenty? It's this week. It's four twenty oh, yeah. week. Okay, so this was this is our four. This is technically our four twenty show. Four twenty is this week. So this is our our official. This will be at the end of the week. So this is our official. Sign that bill before. So so four twenty is Thursday. I remember now. So so as signing on four twenty. Watch. I hope so. I think he will. This that I will say this. Okay, let's do this. So so Carl 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 explained to us that the this is the the parameters we do know now. That the two pieces of the bill arrived at the governor's desk on a different day, mm-hmm. and that based on all of this, it's it's sort of a different. Do you want to explain the, the machinations of it? So when a bill passes, it passes the House, passes the Senate, or vice versa. It does not immediately go to the governor's governor's desk by default. So basically, he has to request it, or the legislature has to give it to him. So the lead sponsor of the two legal weed bills, the first one being just a straight legalization bill, the second one being equity, regulation, taxation. Uh, They both passed the Senate a few weeks ago, but they had not been put on the governor's desk yet. But uh, the press release went out sometime last week basically saying they're on the governor's desk now. Um, The straight legalization was put in place before the regulation and taxation piece. Which um, so basically the twenty second. Do we 22nd, have any idea why that would happen? Why you know the, you know the name and the, the, the number of the bill? Yeah, HB one and HB two. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So the, so whoever was whoever so whoever was Governor Corny signed them bills this year, man. Quit playing. If if they're they were were they did they pass the uh, house on the same day? Uh, I believe so, or at least it was a day or two apart. So. All I will say is that I desperately tried to figure out what their strategy was. I asked a lot of people. And Representative Zinsky, just so you know, all the people around you who would have normally told me did not tell me what what your plan was. Hey, hey shout out! So to those you, have tight tight, tight, uh, tight, you have a very tight. You have a very tight ship. So tight, tight, tight I think I figured it out. I Are they what, trying to force his hand two days early before the other one, and then people will freak out and they'll have to like let? The I, other yeah, one go I don't know exactly what it is. I know they have a probably more votes for the straight legalization because there's a lot of Republicans that are willing to vote for that that maybe don't want like the taxation regulation stuff. Uh, but both bills passed with a veto-proof majority this year, um, which they both very narrowly had. So basically, in 2022, they passed with, like, at the margin, you need to overturn the veto, and then a bunch of people switched. Uh, and in 2023, they passed both with, like, a few votes over the margin, uh, and they got several people who did not vote for them last year. So I think basically it's saying, like, you know, we're making a deal of this. We're selling, like, we're putting out a press release. It has these dates. People aren't going to know. And like you got to do your thing, and if you don't, like I think that's basically the threat is that they're so going to override the veto. That's yes. so if it passes by the same margin as veto proof. But the issue is what happened. See, in here's my two is a bunch of Democrats switched their vote. Here's you know, here's and here's my position. The, as of now, now so yeah. he can't veto it. 
He can. He can veto. He can, so here's what can but happen. But if he vetoes it, it goes back to the legislature. Yeah. So, so here's what here's what I think. Last time they ain't have enough votes. People flip flop. Yeah. So here yeah. here's what I. They still could. Here's what I think they, is going to happen. Okay. Oh oh oh. So they actually did the whip. Okay. Yes. I I and I think that's that's actually what I think is going to happen. I think that the same the margins are better this time, but people just need to flip flop again. Like, I don't see why they wouldn't again. Now, like, because we're talking about, let's call them out. Let me make sure that I have them. The only real pickup is the Carrie Harris-Bennett uh, pickup. Because I don't think Carrie will flip. Uh, Carrie would not flip. And then, um, well, he did but flip Sean, before. That but Sean Mitchell Matthews, he stinks. Sean Matthews still Sean there. Matthews. Uh, I mean, uh, I think it got a good Bush shot, Carson, though, because, see, what a, a lot of people don't, don't know. Oh, man. Is HB one and two includes amendments that the governor's office suggested. So as far as the taxation and how money is spread around, and I haven't looked at every line, but I'm sure it probably includes the FOP. But the uh, the governor gave amendments because before it was like none of this funding is going to cops. All this funding is going to go to schools and building communities and. Now tanks, governor domestic tanks, mm-hmm. so the domestic now tank they get broken down to go to Delaware away, mm-hmm. but it was still decriminalized and legalized. Yeah. But the taxation and the, that second HB two <laughs> has Carney's suggestions, so that's why I'm saying, come on, Carney, sign these bills, quit playing, yeah, and let's go. Man. I gotta find the uh, the audio from the. Uh, I, forget, I think it was on the floor when they were when Nizinski was uh, talking about it, uh, because there's that piece when you've probably seen it before where they're reading out legislation and they're like, and here's what it doesn't do, and it's like, oh, it should do all these things. like it lists out like, oh, we've made these compromises, it's like, oh, this sucks, this sucks, like we made this worse, this is awful now, like this doesn't really help anymore. So a few details about enforcement and use of marijuana. HB1 would not change existing state law regarding driving under the influence of an illicit or recreational drug. It would not allow individuals to cultivate marijuana in their home. It would not allow for the sale of marijuana nor for marijuana to be gifted in conjunction with the sale of another product or service. Public consumption of marijuana would still be illegal. This bill does not affect the ability of employers to enforce a drug-free workplace. Consumption of marijuana by persons under 21 would still be subject to a civil citation or penalty. And they read that a lot, and they had a bunch of that in legal weed. It's like, oh, cool. So it was like a bunch of stuff. It was like, oh, cops can still do this. So like, yeah, they watered down parts of it, which is why I think it has a better chance of passing this year. Um, but it will do the ultimate and stop cops from being able to pull people exactly. over for the same yeah. Okay. It yeah. Will, and they hold on to that. I, I okay. think what's going to happen, and I've been, and I can tell you that I've been trying to do this for the past 15 to 20 years of my life, is I smoke in public because, like, they don't say anything to, like, a group of white guys. Uh, and, and, and you just, you get people acclimated to it. And they're like, well, everything smells like weed now anyway. It doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter anymore. And this would be a big help if he would sign this. It's crazy. I went into uh, I went into this highly conservative place, and they were so mostly like, "Yo, I know the guy. The weed, the world is changing. The guy smoke weed." I'm like, "Oh snap!" That may brought me back to the bill. I'm like, "Maybe things may change." I was thinking about that, you know, like. The, well. Oh yeah, if it's legalized, I mean, you I mean, just, yeah, it'd be like Jamaica. People yeah. just walking up the street. They want that. <laughs> it's an industry too. Look what Cali doing. The corner, be the corner stores will be over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It'll be the weed stores, bro. Look at Cali, man. They, yeah. It's, yeah, I mean that's Denver. that's that's the big it's thing that's falling. I've been uh, in Denver. I've been in Seattle. Even in all these places, and Maryland's going to have it in July. Jersey, everybody. Yeah, Maryland's going to have it in July. I did a little homework, man. THC marijuana cannabis is proven to help with physical health, mental health, multiple situations. So. My acuity is uh, is sharper than ever. <laughs> so, Carl, what do you what what, what you have the last word as the as the the the, the, the real sort of legislative watcher yes. and understand you're in behind Shout you're calling you're calling people in, on in Edizinski's staff. Trying to pump them for information. To be fair, Edison does not have staff because of the way the legislature works. There's just sense. a bunch of different people. Um, but 
We went through all the channels, all the all the underhanded yeah. channels. I, I poked a lot of different parts of the legislature to try to get that. So, um, so, but but you are someone who is who has a good who has his, his finger on the pulse, mm-hmm. as they say. What do you think about what about what is going to happen with these two bills, HB one and HB two? I don't know because you have to get into Carney's head, which is a place that is very unfamiliar. Because <laughs> yeah. you know it's always going That's through Carney's head. Yeah. The Eagles' fight song. It's just running. The the Eagles fight song is just running in a loop inside fly, its head. Eagles fight. <laughs> yeah. Victory. Yeah. But I think if it, if even if he vetoes it, I do think it. I think they override it. I think it's gonna happen too. That's that's wild. Because the thing is, there were, from my understanding, there were certain things last year that basically incentivized Pete and Val to lobby against the override. Because uh, the only reason, like a Sean Matthews, or the only reason any of these people voted, like flip flip their votes, is because Pete and Val told them to. Um, like that, we're we're being totally honest here. So funny. Uh, and the only reason no, they did that, I, I'm laughing because I know that that's true, which that makes, makes it, which um, just makes it very funny. Because these guys are just um, yeah, they're they they don't have any political spine. Cowards. Is what uh, like you see, cowards. Sean Matthews put his name on an amendment that basically someone asked him to do, and he's like, oh, I don't know what's in the amendment. Um, that's a whole other story. Um. But, yeah, so I think there was basically leverage that Carney had last year that he does not have this year, from my understanding, just in terms of, like, budget stuff, other bills, like, minute stuff that we don't really care about. Uh, but basically, and Pete is, I think, less powerful than he was at this point last year for other reasons. Uh, so I think that there's, like, obviously the Senate would have overridden it. If they right. got the chance. Yeah, and I mean, I think the problem the house, the house is now we've the point. Been, Yeah, that's the thing. But we'll see. Like, things change fairly quickly. Um, people are really dumb. They do have a lot of really yeah. bizarre incentives that drive their predict human behavior. So. Yeah, especially some of the most uh, dim-witted, glory-seeking cowards you've ever met in your life. Oh no, that's what I'm talking about. No, I that's what it caused talking about. Yeah. And, then, and that's why they all that's, why those I people need to go. Black people getting active politically because you have them acting like that, but when you see certain populations, especially in Delaware, the Latinos get their way politically. Mm-hmm. The affluent whites get their way politically. But these people are active politically because these politicians don't care. All they have is a bottom line. If you're not paying attention, they're gonna take a quick buck. But as the people, we dictate what they ultimately have That's to it. do. That's so it. when you come People's to the power. table, like me and Dubois have been saying all the time, but when it comes to politics, this is a free table. Yep. You come to the table, the person that's representing your District. community at a city, county, or state level, they have to listen to you. And if they don't listen yep. to you, if you go and get record. 15 of your neighbors or the people that live in that same area, there's a real pressure point. They gotta move. There's a and real pressure point there people don't understand. That's what they do. That's what they do. That's right. So that's we gotta do. start doing that more to ensure but our that's, voices getting heard. That's what we did right for now. criminal justice. And that's right? what I think Governor Ain't that what we did for criminal justice? Shout out to Delaware Norm and all that. I know Corny getting a lot of calls right now. Like, make it make sense if you're not signing it. Like, so once the people start saying that, yeah. it's different. Last year, we had a rally, and I mean, to keep it real, it was only 13 people at the rally. Well, I mean, there was about there was maybe 75 like that, that, people. But now mm-hmm. I think it's much more people involved. And Do you think? Zoe and I'm on year two. But let's be honest, Zoe, Zoe's been on this 20 years. It's yeah, people now that are calling the governor. And then whoever listens to this, if it ain't voted yet, you should call them. And yep. say, come on, man. Stop playing. Come yeah. Come Cardi. I think what you said is so right because there are there are pressure points here that I think people don't uh, if they were a little more organized they could start pressing them. It's all about the people. Just press those points. Well, I, I wish I, I I I wish that I shared your optimism. Um, I I feel like See, I Zoe, poor Zoe, has been working on this. It feels Zoe like half my life. A majority black control state politically, economically. Uh, I mean, this Fra- this, we going to change the whole this, Delaware Does Franklin Cook count? We're game changers. <laughs> okay, thank I like all, all you guys needed was to make that, that face. Spending thank you very black much. matters, I, man, I and it starts that. there, though. Educating people and spending within black businesses and supporting nonprofits, but spending black matters. Comrades and friends, if you haven't figured it out by now, this is our 420 episode. <laughs> uh, you need to get involved in your community. 
I hope this is getting out and disseminating to to others who wouldn't normally listen to like the dumb shit that I have to say and listen to the stuff that Dubard has to say and listen to the stuff that Hanif has to say. Shout so out to Dubard. Shout out to Dubard. I mean, thank on, you, dude, you thank it, you guys man. for having me. I appreciate it. Was, it. Was, it was lovely. Thank you. It's a good vibe. Don't, don't make like your, don't vibe. make yourself a stranger. It's an open door policy. Look, this guy comes like once a month. I like this setup. I like your setup. Uh, at this point in the week, we don't know whether we're going to wind up going to this trial at all this week. It looks like a real bummer, man. I got to be honest with you. But Bill and I might might mosey down there and just take a look at it a couple of days. Um, you know how to hit us up. Patreon.com slash the Highlands Bunker at Highlands Bunker on Twitter. Um, just want to thank these thank you guys again. That was that was really great. Appreciate you. Go- Governor Carney signed those bills. Left his right, best. Carney. Left his best. <laughs>